I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring to me, I can't free you, free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> so we've a lot to get through this uh, Monday, lads. We try and run through the divisions and get some talking points out of them. The big news for me uh, has to be, Alan, is that the Munster and Ulster champions are in relegation matches to go to Division 4. Now, that's not good enough from either of those two counties, is it? We know Mickey Graham came out um, after making the Ulster final last year and he says, I said from day one I wanted to try and win more Ulster championship matches. I probably put a lot of focus on that. While the league is important to us, it's not the be-all and end-all. I don't know. I just think that's embarrassing, isn't it, Alan, that you're in a relegation, a Division 4 relegation match? I understand maybe not treating the league that seriously, but Cavan and Tip should have enough in their locker in Division 3 to not find themselves in this position. Yeah, you would have thought so, and I suppose it begs the question: is 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 like I suppose any manager, what they're looking for is a bit of continuity from year to year, and are we seeing improvement? And obviously, the two counties you mentioned, Cavan and Tipperary, had a wonderful year last year and brought 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 a great bit of excitement to the. Uh, to, I was going to say the summer, but to the winter last year <laughs> when they managed to win the provincial championships. But I think both managers will be disappointed, even if they aren't putting as much focus on the national league maybe as Mickey Graham says he is. But I think the days are not. Um, given the National League focus those days are gone I think in my early days playing um, it was all about the championship if you lost a few league matches we never really performed that well in the league in Dublin anyway but that changed under Pat Gilroy and then Jim Gavin after that and, and the league became very important as a stepping stone into the into the championship in each game and, and like maybe when um, when we went into Crow Park to play the National League games in Crow Park probably helped as well it gave us a bit more focus but certainly the league was very important to Dublin um, and still is um, so I think that sort of comment that we put a bit more focus on the championship obviously you put more focus on the championship but you're only a few weeks out so I think both managers will be worried off the back of that and, and, but, it, but I think if we're being honest about it 
both had great years last year, but even coming out from last year, would you put Cavan in the top two or three in Ulster? Even after winning the Ulster Championship last year, I'm not so sure they would have been in the top two or three. And I think um, the results over the last few weeks are, are probably reflective of that. Yeah, they were a Division 1 team not so long ago. Then they went 2-3 and now they're in a relegation match to go to Division 4. I saw you nodding there, Colin Cavanaugh, when Alan was saying, like, I mean, that's a little bit old-fashioned to not put too much effort into the league and focus on the championship yeah look probably in a bit like Alan in our early day, my early days of playing that the, the league was always a focus and but probably not the be all end all so like if we had Donegal in the first round of the championship that's from literally from December you were planning for them effectively um, the league was always you took it game by game and you wanted of course to win it um, but at the same time if you didn't win it then we, we could live with that. Um, I think then as the years have went on, Mickey especially would have put an awful lot of emphasis on trying to win a league because ultimately Throne didn't win a, a National League title for it was 2002 maybe the last time. Um, so we did then start to put the focus on it. And I suppose when you think about it logically, you're you're, you're tipping yourself against the the, the, the best, um, especially in Division 1. Um, so if you can live with them in the league, then you know normally there's a wee bit of continuity into the the championship where you can you know you can bring that sort of high level of uh, performance and I suppose we spoke about it last week even around the Mayo and teams that are playing in Division 2 sometimes you know teams can go through a league campaign fairly comfortably um, and then you know that shock piece comes in the championship so I think the days are the days of letting that uh, that that sort of uh, we'll just see how the league goes but in respect I suppose with Calvin and, 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 and Tip I suppose the, the, the you know the, the COVID situation that and the, the little time to prepare I suppose you know, guys are probably thinking, look, we'll just see where the league t- league takes us, and ultimately keep all their focus toward the championship, which can be dangerous. But I I can see logic in it. I can see logic in not getting carried away at this stage. Um, albeit there's a, there's a quick run into the championship, but um, you know they're probably setting up. You know, even from day one of you know looking at their looking at their championship ties and how they want to play in them ties more so than actually probably playing the league. I wonder, is there a bit of a little bit of maybe contentment settled in as well there's the Cavan team got their Ulster Championship last year Tipperary won a Munster Championship last year and right, we've done it lads and then you have a you have a lull for 12 months maybe and like you often see that especially with with, with, with teams that might be down the pecking order a little bit they might have put so much into the last two or three years that they just can't go there again straight after winning uh, straight after winning the Ulster the Munster Championship and, and by part of me thinks are they happy with what they achieved last year and they've, they've just let the guard down a little bit and look I'm sure both managers will be trying to pick it up ahead of the championship but like certainly it looks like um, from the results in the National League that their that their performances have dropped off from where they were last year Yeah they definitely have I watched Derry and Cavan on Saturday and it looked like Derry were a team really up for a game and Cavan were just going through the motions but maybe that's what they want maybe their focus is on the championship I saw Jack O'Connor said after Kildare hammered Leash um, we won't spend too much time on that one uh, lads he says I tell you the truth I couldn't even tell you when the championship is on all we're doing is concentrating on this league it's very important for Kildare to be looking upwards it's too far to be thinking of the championship it's just a complete opposite do you know what I mean and it's unusual for a manager to come out I always remember when Mick O'Dwyer had us when we'd be going well in the league he'd focus on the league but if we're having a bad league he'd say oh, it's all about the championship you know yeah. what I mean Just yeah, well, it, might kind be, of it might be a bit similar with Jack to be honest they're <laughs> <laughs> in a good position he'd say mass but they, uh, the Kildare are going well and I think he is like he is right what's important for Kildare is to get up to Division 1 if they can get up into Division 1 then they have a chance and I think that that at the start of the year I think if you've been honest that probably would have been his goal is to get out of that division and, and, and 
they're close enough to it now. Yeah, for a confidence thing, maybe for them. So the, all the excitement, we'll start with Division 1, lads. Um, all the excitement was in Division 1 North. Um, we had the Armagh Donegal game on Saturday night. 400 fans packed into the stand. What a fantastic occasion. We heard cheers for scores, for turnovers. It was like a different sport. Um, I really enjoyed it. They could make loads of, of noise. Lads, rea- in reality, there should be a couple of thousand at every bloody match. Like, I mean, get the interest uh, back into it. Armagh were, were impressive enough, I thought, Column, Like, um, I thought Donegal were very laboured in their build-up play. Armagh got some bodies back. Now, whether they were deciding they wanted to go back there or whether they were chasing players. You know, Armagh ended in a situation where they had a good bit of, few bodies back. But for me, Armagh kicked all the football. Any good football that was played, you know, a, a fast kind of turnover and fast... I don't like using the word transition, but a lot of kick passing in con- in contrast to Donegal, who pretty much ran everything the other night. Yeah, I think Armagh have showed glimpses of this over the last number of weeks, and you know each week you can see them improving, and they they really have put a put a put a strong emphasis on that sort of attack and play. And look, there were some some very very good scores the other night, um, and 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 they really you know they really played all the football probably for 50, 60 minutes and. Donegal did look laboured. You know, they looked to have missed Murphy um, and and that. But you know, when you you know at the end of the day, Donegal then you know McBrady and that couple of other guys stepped up. Um, and I suppose we've set Donegal up for very high standards. So you know they, they are missing a few guys at the moment. Um, so we can give them a wee bit of bye ball and that. And uh, I still felt that Armagh should have come through in that game um, if they had a bit probably lacking a wee bit of experience there just to get over the line. Um, but Definitely, they have a lot of positives. You know, head, head, you know, they've they've really picked up each each week and followed their games most weeks, and they're they're definitely on 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 the upward curve. Um, whether they can translate that into, you know, heading in, in the in the championship phases or not. Um, but I do think they've definitely closed the gap. From terms of Donegal, you know, uh, yeah, we bit laboured and we bit slow, but Donegal probably have set themselves very high standards, and you know, we expect them to play. You know, typically, uh, what frustrated me about Donegal over the years is that we watched every time the team to play at Tyrone, they were able to raise their game uh, and and really, you know, get over the line with us. And then maybe they could go out even last year, I suppose, in the Ulster final and that, and, and lose to Calvin. So, um, but I do think that you know the, the, the few men hopefully to come back in, and you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to hit the panic button on, on Donegal just yet. But they did, you know, over the weekend there, they they were very slow and build up and. And definitely struggled at times only for a few individual uh, pieces of play from the likes of Langan and that. Yeah, Langan scored another exceptional goal. He's some bit of stuff yeah, to be able to put goals. I think I think Declan Bonner will be delighted. Like I mean, everybody's talking about Michael Murphy and missing them. Like I mean, they were missing Neil McGee, Paddy McGrath, missing Ushin Gallen, Jamie Brennan, Audra McNeilish only coming off the bench. I think Jamie Brennan is just as not as Michael Murphy's a, as a huge loss, but Jamie Brennan's a big loss that he's always showing and he helps their kick kicking game a little bit like Brian Hurley with Cork. These lads, when they're buzzing around and always presenting themselves, Andy Moran with Mayo, you know, like, I mean, they kind of, they, they encourage them to get it in a little bit faster. Yeah, they do. He becomes a link for Everton and he is a, he's a huge part of that team now. But I think, I think it was mentioned on Sunday Sport last night, um, I think Cushy McConville mentioned it, like Michael Murphy brings so much more than, than even his scores or even his free take. And I think just the calmness he brings to that team and um, he just makes other lads feel comfortable around him. So I think he is a huge loss and we're not exactly sure how bad his, his hamstring injury yet. I'm not sure if they've told us, but but uh, like I think I think Declan Bonner will be sweating a little bit on, on just to make sure they can get him back fit and healthy ahead of the championship. And, um, but, but I think for me, Armagh have been... Have, 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 
have probably been the most improved team of the um, of the league campaign so far. And I think Kieran McGinn will be absolutely delighted with their with where they're at. They should have won the game yesterday. Were they four up with four up with a few to go? So they probably should have closed that out. As and I think Colm said a little bit of inexperience, but I'm sure they look back at that now and see if we're in that position again. How do we how do we close the game out? But for me, they've been excellent and they were they would have been full value for that win yesterday. And they've like Stefan Campbell stood up yesterday, got a few scores and. Um, they have the two O'Neill, so they have scores coming from a lot of places as well. They kicked one sixteen yesterday, I think, did they? So Saturday night, Saturday night, so so yeah, so they do look in really good form, and, but they need a good run in the championship now. I think it's all well and good doing it in the national league, yeah. but I think Armagh do need to make win a couple of games in the in the championship now. But they're as Colm said, they're definitely going in the right direction. A, a lot of, like, again, you see, you don't know, like, I mean, were Donegal mad with looking to win this? Armagh were at home to prove a point. You wonder in the championship, Donegal were so much better than him last year. But they do try to leave. Rian O'Neill will try and hold the 40, and he's much better there. Again, some lovely kick passes the other night. Uh, Grugan will try and hold, but again, Grugan found himself back inside his 45 because he was... I. I reckon he was chasing his man. I don't think he, ideally, I don't think Armagh want him back there. And Oshin O'Neill and Stephen Campbell, there are those four. Like, he tried, used to try and keep four up with Gilroy, didn't you? Yourself, Berno, Connolly and Mossy Quinn or somebody yeah. like that. I like that. Now, obviously, you won't do that all the time because two of them could end up having to chase back their men. Yeah, you know, But, but in general, that's what Armagh are trying to do. They're trying to have an outlet on the half-forward line, another ball inside, and when they get to some bit of a turnover, they're trying to move it on the, uh, through the foot. Yeah, and they have footballers that can do that, um, and that's exactly what we did under Pat Gilroy. He always wanted four up, and obviously he had to do the work. If somebody, if somebody went back, somebody else to stay up, and it just keeps other teams honest. Make sure they have to mark you at the back, um, and I'm seem to be doing it very well. Like I've been very impressed with them. They, that they have played some really nice football. Um, it was good to see Paddy McBrady as well kicking well. Um, I think he got four from. Four from play, did he? So he five looks, from play, I think. He five from play, so he looks in great form as well. So, like, I think it bodes, it all bodes very well for an Ulster Championship coming up soon because you've four or five teams there that seem to be in seem to be in really good form, and all of them will probably fancy their chances now. Yeah, no, exactly. Here, just on that question, Colin, because you mentioned last week that you, it mightn't have looked it. You said, but we did try to leave some forwards up there at ti- at times. You know, how do you get the balance right between trying to leave some forwards up there and then them having to chase their man back down the place, and you ended up with none of them and they'll, they'll end up saying oh look the same old Tyrone they have 15 men in behind the ball but maybe you actually didn't want to actually have 15 but you know you have to be honest and, and chase your man yeah I think it's a, it's a very difficult one because you know ultimately if guys are bombing forward from corner back and, and half back you know the, the corner forward they're going to go well I have to go with them um, we did probably try to uh, you know, in the latter stages, trying to keep men, trying to keep a couple of players up the pitch at all times, like you know, even McShean and uh, and that, and trying to say, look, don't you come back because we don't, we need you up there to be at full full power whenever we turn turn out turn them over. But um, ultimately, it's, it's easier said than done. We sort of tried to because maybe we had men back. We were sort of saying, right, well, if guys were going forward and bombing from the back, you pick them up, maybe pick them up when they come around midfield and, you know, then you tag them at that point and, you know, but then ultimately there still was overlap runners at times and, you know, you could have me shouting and roaring at some of the forwards and not tracking back, but at the same time, you know, we were trying to maybe keep them guys up there. Now, prob- big problem probably with Toronto over the years was that because we had been sort of coaching away to get everyone behind the ball, um, it was nearly natural for the guys when they seen a man running past them just to try and run back and I suppose it, what they're trying to do there is put the you know, try and put out spot danger and try and put up put out any fires before they develop and at times probably uh, everyone watching on was sort of thinking, look, 
these guys are you know fully fully you know really defensive and negative on that but you know um we we did genuinely try and keep more up the pitch and sometimes some days just didn't happen and even you watch games now and we're talking you know week on week about the improvement in the kick passing and more players up the pitch but ultimately there's still a lot of teams with a lot of men back at, uh, you know over, over the weekend there's you know you, you watch Dublin Galway you watch Armagh Donegal even the throne game as well there's still a lot of men behind the ball yes they may have a few up but they're still ultimately bringing uh bringing maybe a lot of men back in behind the, the halfway line to defend so yeah it's it's, it's tweaked it's tweaked slightly and improved slightly um I, I don't think it's revolutionized but at the same time it's it's a step forward from from where we were at and uh you know trying to play a bit higher up the pitch I, th- I think it was uh, probably a more defensive weekend than we have been used to the last two weeks. But look, that's the that's kind of the way it goes. Just want to ask you about these attacking cornerbacks, Alan, because I understand the whole thing, right? Because often games enter a situation where you have men back and you're playing along the outs around the outside of them, and you need one or two runners to come from behind, you know, and punch a hole in there. But what do you make of actual cornerbacks just taking off, anyways? Now we know they're trying to maybe throw their man off, but what they're actually doing is getting up ahead of the ball clogging up the space for the forwards imagine being in the full forward line and you see your own corner back standing in front of you like you're is this not being taught through because that wouldn't suit a team that wants to kick it in yeah no I think as a corner back it needs to be a late runner coming so you're arriving onto the ball rather yeah. than being there when the ball arrives but like I think from a corner, corner forward perspective obviously you don't you don't want to have to chase a corner forward that's going you want to stay in the offensive end of the field and um, I think as a corner forward and I would have done it myself um, sometimes you got to make a call and say right there's a man there that might be able to track him so you hold and see can you catch him and that's the way to keep to keep a corner back honest if you can catch him on the counter where you can get inside when he's gone you can get like I often got got, got a couple of easy scores where a man went and I, I stayed where I was and we get a turnover and, 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 and you're there on your own and, and well, Pillar, Pillar, Pillar Caffrey gave you licence to not have to ever come back didn't he? And that's fair enough he encouraged, he, Pillar would have encouraged two or three of us to try and stay up yeah yeah. Right. Um, but he kind of said like it's in it was in it was in our hands to make the call or whether we thought it was there was somebody there to pick a man up and or, 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 or if he was going to get free you if had you to could pawn him, him off yeah. if you could pawn him off to somebody else yeah and, and um, I think particularly and, and, and I often remember on when I was playing centre forward um, on the long kick outs I, I'd try and cheat a little bit inside the centre back to see if we want to break quick could I get away quick could I get away quickly and I actually remember against Tyrone a couple of uh, uh, maybe Gavin Devlin was marking me actually we started really well in the first half Kieran Whelan was on top of midfield and I caught I caught Gavin Devlin a couple of times just cheating on the goal side of him when he was going in for a break and I got a couple of scores. He was actually taken off at half time. We lost the match in the end, but we had a good a good first half that day. But sometimes it can pay. I know like you have to be honest, but sometimes as a forward if you can take the chance and educate a chance and stay goal side of your man if he's gonna go, there's gonna be opportunity to catch him on the break. Um Colm's laughing there at uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but I do th- I do think when you're playing sorry, Colm, I do think when you're playing in the half forward line and the half back wants to commit in under a break, that's a great time to let him on because that the breaks are very hit and miss. You know, I think that's a bit of a, a naive thing for a half back to be running in under a break and not, you know, watching Watching you, I do think in that situation from kickouts, you're as well off. Let let the eejit in under the break, and it could <laughs> it could pop out. I don't know. What are you What are you saying, Colm? Sorry. No, no, no. I I just think as as I agree with Alan, and I think that uh, from a forward's point of view, obviously Alan was a, one of the best forwards around all his career. So I, I can see that totally of how that that can work in terms of you know 
nearly cheating at times and you know catching and to keep the defender honest and uh but i just know from a defensive point of view if i see your man coming flying up the up the pitch and getting on a pass and a corner slipping at the corner forward and putting over the bar you know i'm i'm giving you uh you know that that duty to come back so look it's probably it's trying we talk about probably balance all the time and you know you, you do want to as i keep men up the pitch as much as possible but um, and there's nothing more so that I used to hate was to watch somebody stand by himself and going, how you know, how did he get there? Like, and how, you know, how did he find himself there? But that's probably, you know, Alan, you've probably hit the nail on the head there. You've probably been told, look, stay up the pitch and, you know, try and catch these guys in the, you know, uh, whenever the, the cornerbacks or halfbacks have went forward and that. But um, yeah, it's I say, I think, the, I think the balance there because I obviously I'm coming from a defensive point of view where I I used to hit scores even from a sweep whenever a sweeping guys are coming flying through. And I remember going out, and there's now a guy coming from the defence coming right through, and you know I had been berating some of the half forwards, going where, where are you boys at? Like you should be back here to film. Yeah, well, half forwards aren't allowed pawn off. Only full <laughs> forwards are allowed pawn off. Like I mean, they no. have to, they have to be, they have to be working. But that's it. Like I mean, there is a ball that needs buy-in from everyone. The manager has to specifically say, Alan, if column, if Alan's standing, standing still, he's pawned someone off. Let's not, you know, be arguing on the field or whatever. Like I would imagine, imagine David Clifford would be told, always pawn off your man. Don't lose your energy coming running back. You know, like someone like Paul Mannion, who's an at, you know, a real athletic. Uh, sort of a player anyways we'll have to move on uh, from that one Les. there wasn't much excitement in the South Division I didn't think this Galway uh, Dublin game was great I have down here Galway have a bit of an identity crisis I, I, I thought Galway that was more like a Kevin Walsh Galway team than a Porrick Joyce uh, Galway team and you know Porrick Joyce when he took over first was coming in to change that kind of system now I'd say look, it's understandable from the point of view they got completely destroyed by Kerry then saw what Dublin did to Kerry you know, goals-wise. And I can, I can understand why Porrick Joyce did that. It was, a, it was still a little bit like a Kevin Mulch team for me. Yeah, it was funny. I actually enjoyed the game, to be honest with you. And I was impressed with Galway. And I think, like, if you're a Porrick Joyce looking at the last couple of weeks, certainly the Kerry game, you're thinking, right, I need to change something here. Lads, we just need to go back to basics. We need to work really, really hard to try try shut out Dublin. When we win the ball, let's try cash them on the break. We break hard. And I thought, in fairness to Galway, when they did turn over Dublin, they attacked really, really hard. They have some great runners, obviously, with Shane Walsh up there. If they can get him free, that like there's one man. If they can get him free around the middle of the park, um, or in a half forward line, taking on players, he's he's absolutely electric. And I was I was actually impressed with Galway. And I think Porrick Joyce, even though he has changed the style a little bit. They didn't seem to kick the ball that often. They 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 kind of used the hand a lot. They ran it through the hands a lot. But I was impressed with them, and they did frustrate Dublin. Even if it was a Dublin team, kind of missing missing a couple of players. But um, I think Porrick Joyce would be very happy this morning. Yeah. Like yeah. only for the for for a, like for a Dublin goal at the end, where where uh, where they got through in the middle, they could have easily got a draw of it. I was actually laughing at that goal when I saw it because this was the like you were describing last week. Hold up, somebody will go asleep. Someone will go asleep. Number nineteen, Kieran Potter. He completely fell asleep yeah. and lost burn one hand pass in a goal. Do you yeah, know what I mean? And you could see Conor Callan gave the hand pass. You could see him just holding and holding and holding, just waiting for the right time when when Aaron Burke again on the right side of his man. He got through. He finished it very well. In fairness, to him. lovely finish. Yeah, in fairness, at least he didn't hand pass it over the bar. I'm not going to get into that. Even Fenton did it. And Con, what is going on here? Like, I mean, it's incredible. Um, Colin, what did you make of it? Like the Galway set up. I'd be more critical than Alan now because I understand. Again, I accept it all and understand it all. But those tactics have been proven not to work against Dublin. And like, I mean, we know that. And most teams now are moving away from those tactics to try and maybe ask more questions of them. Um, You know, the question I am, like, will the Galway players be thinking, 
what's like I know Porridge Choice is such a legend and he has that you know but like will they be thinking jeez are we going back to what we were meant to be going away from would that be you know get, entering players heads I, I, I generally don't think so I, I think Alan's right I have to agree with him on this one I think uh, Galway would have had maybe a sense of fear going into that game going look if we go you know, uh, as attacking as we want to do, as we want to be here, that there's a, there's a risk we will be 10, be, be 10 12 points. And uh, again, I say the balance piece, um, trying to, you know, they, they got, obviously got a lot of bodies back and they were trying really hard to try and obviously play on the counter and it, it worked to a degree, to an extent. But it's probably the one thing for me that they probably didn't do is nearly, you know, trying to change it up. So the key for, for me anyway and how all these teams are trying to beat Dublin is trying to actually play defensively for a part a part way and then going able to actually cut their throats at some point to get ahead of them and really push on and nobody's been able to do that probably yet and it's a it's a difficult one to try and break down and that if you say if you sit in their defensive shape the whole game you lose because Dublin you're right Dublin know how to stop that they know how to work around it they'll get goals they'll get points and they'll manage the game out if you go all out attack um, and try and really you know shoot their lights out ultimately they have too much fire part for most for probably all teams and they'll beat you very comfortably. So like, I, I wasn't surprised to see what Galway did. And, I, I, you know, they're probably working on an approach there to stifle Dublin for a period of time in the game and then go and really, you know, try and get a, try and get a few scores and a few goals to try and take take control of the game and push on. And I think at the start of the game watching, I think Galway nearly conceded the kick out for a wee while. And yeah. uh, I'm not sure that was, you know, that, that was probably them going, right, let's, let's, let's get to half turn. Nearly just, you know, let's look at the first half. That's keep as close as po- close as possible, um, and then you know ultimately trying to kick on. I know we did it for years too. We were sort of saying, right, well, we played Dublin. We were saying, right, let's let's keep men, um, let's give them the kick out. Let's let, let's go to the halfway line. Let's start defending from the halfway line. And if we keep it tight to a certain period in the game, and then go and trying to you know really push up on them. And I think most teams are trying to do that. Trying to find a a, a sort of a, a style of play that can. Keep Dublin where you're not getting, you know, they they get ahead of you early, they'll manage the game out. Um, so it, it's more about trying to find a balance to defend and then a, a chance whenever you have the chance to get your purple pass to go and actually cut their throats. But, well, uh, yeah. No, I, I I think that's a good point that Colin made. Like, I mean, and the water breaks are perfectly set up to maybe in your th- in your second water break, last quarter, let, let's change it up. You saw what Galway did when they scored the goal. Like, one of the only balls that kicked in. Uh, Cooper's not good in the air. Like, I mean, they're not... Like Paul, poor Paul Murphy stuck in on cons. Some lads are just not... I was the same myself. I can see it a mile away. You're completely disorientated as the ball's coming down because you're not sure where it's going to land. And Cooper's uh, got a weakness in the air. And I don't think Fitzsimons is exceptional in the air either. Arburn... Like for the last quarter, would a team not go right? Let's pack a few lads in there. Let's let's go route one. Let's see, can we get a couple of goals? We're only two behind. We've done the defensive side. Wouldn't you like to see something like that, Alan? Yeah, they could have come out a little bit, and certainly for the goal, Johnny was caught with his uh, was caught with the man behind him, and um, Michael Shields, new goalkeeper from um, from Saint Sylvester. Yeah, it was his fault out. more was, than Johnny. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he, he, um, he was a bit rash coming out. Probably should have stayed on his line, but um, yeah, like like. Like I thought, oh, we were good. They have a couple of inside forwards there. Finnerty and stuff kicked a couple of nice scores, and um, they obviously have Damian Comer to come back in. So, so and 
they looked aggressive. I thought they looked physical. Um, I thought they really put it up to Dublin. And yeah, they probably could have maybe maybe pushed on a little bit at some stage. They got caught by a bad goal as well. They conceded a very soft goal as well. I have to remember that. So, well, um, just now that you mentioned that Bernard Power, like he practically tapped that back out to Con. Like he made a good save the first time. Like what was he doing? Like I don't want to be too critical of Bernard Power, but his strength and conditioning is probably not at the level that it needs to be to be a senior intercounty goalkeeper. Like your reactions just, especially with goalkeepers when you see them in training nearly all of their drills are like a ball land you know a ball along the ground get down save it back up to your feet do another one the other side like I mean for me like he's he's not he's not in the shape that he's agile enough to be able to do all that yeah he looked a bit flat footed for the goal made a decent save I think off the first shot but then he looked a bit flat footed as the ball popped up in the air alright yeah and he probably should have he probably should have got a fist or something to it um, maybe to clear it but yeah look he's he's, he's like he's He's been there a while. Like he's been there a while now. He has. He's a an excellent of, goalie for Carlos. Yeah, he has a bit of experience under his. Uh, he has a bit of experience under his belt, but but certainly the fault that the, or the, the for the Dublin goal, I thought it was a bit soft as well. Now both goals were soft. Um, the first two goals, but um, and if they hadn't conceded that, they were right in the game until they conceded that. So and that's the thing against Dublin, you just can't afford to make little mistakes like that. You get punished, and then it's it's just a long way back from there. Even if they did stay in the game. I thought Dublin were always comfortable enough from that point on. Uh, the camera behind the goals, uh, Colin, was very good at times. Like do, what, what I noticed about it was Dublin used to do this incredible zonal press. It was pretty. I'd say it was under Jim Gavin that did it more. But they seem to be going man for man now. And obviously, there's disadvantages of going man for man in that you can be dragged out of a place that you don't want to be. Like the zonal one, God, we were we used to analyse it on this show, that zonal kick out, and it's almost like there's nowhere for that goalkeeper to kick that out, that he's not going to have three lads, you know, descending on him. Did it? I don't know, it's, un- it's just a league game, but it was definitely noticeable that they had moved away from that zonal press. Yeah, I suppose every every team's working on the the, the, the crack approach and whether to go zonal and whether to go man-to-man. And, uh, like I think that nearly throughout a game, you can nearly you can nearly go both. Uh, Dublin probably yeah probably went man to man, probably backed themselves to go man to man. Um, I say there is obviously risks with that in terms of one man make one man slips or one man you know falls asleep for a second and the men are in behind. And I, I and and like I said, the zone has really worked really well for a lot of teams over the year over the last few years, and you know it gives you a wee bit of comfort and safety that uh, you know you're not going to get exposed. So, but at the same time, it's good to try, it's definitely good to try new, new, new things. And, uh, certain parts of the game will warrant certain styles for kickouts. And I know a lot of teams would start maybe zonal and then whenever they really want to put a squeeze on a team and they maybe went two or three up and, you know, and they really then go switch them on to man because the team's maybe on top of that. And that's again, something, you know, you talked about the water, water breaks there. And that's something that has, it can work in teams teams favour at the moment for changing styles and changing whether it's defence and attack whether it's kickouts that can be the time and place for them for that sort of switch to happen because I talked about the last few years that why Dublin have been so good is that they've known how to actually change well I for me from me watching on it looked like they were able to change their style fairly quickly and they've obviously worked on a lot of scenario based training because I remember even in the in the Ireland final we were five one up and um. Like we were comfortable, we had missed a few shots, and Dublin then sort of nearly brought everybody back and sort of stifled us. And then, then you know, they, they literally changed very, very quickly. And I think that's what, what, what the I say, what the water breaks are now are going to be could be good for, could be used for. Um, but from a from a kickout point of view, again, yeah, look, I think the, um, 
I think being able to do both and you know I say every team's probably working on a zone a certain type of zonal press every team's working on how to how to do man to man and then everyone's trying to counteract it so um it's just interesting to see that they've changed it but I I would fully expect come the bigger days that that zonal piece what they're so good at will probably revert back to tape yeah I probably probably wouldn't read too much into it I think at this stage of the year like each team particularly Dublin are probably just putting little building blocks of play on their of their game plan on top of each other ahead of the championship and um, I think it might be a case maybe it would, that the kickouts weren't weren't a particular focus for this week they might have been working on something else and they just decided to go man to man but I think as Colm says it's worked really well from over the last number of years they've really they've really stifled other teams kickouts using that zone press so I think come the come the big games you probably find that they will they will revert to that and I think when you go into Crow Park it's difficult it's a bit more difficult to go man to man in Crow Park as well because the space are a bit wider and um, so I think on a smaller pitch like like Chum yesterday, it's probably an opportunity where they where you can do that because as you say, if you're if you're sucked out of somewhere, it's not leaving as big a hole behind you. Whereas in Crow Park, if you're sucked out of a left half back position, it's, it's leaving a huge hole there for midfielders or other half backs to run into. So right, and it's important, I suppose, to have not just do the same thing all the time because if you do the same thing all the time, you're predictable and someone will work something out. So now you know Dublin might be preparing to be able to practice. Practice both. We're mentioning the water breaks. Tyke Morley got sent off, lads. I don't think we'll even discuss this. It was a shocking decision because the Roscommon player was pushed into him and he was just kind of put his hands up. There was nothing uh, malicious in that um, at all. It was just a coming together. It's a feckin' contact sport. What do you expect? Um, but Kerry had the water break straight after. Like, aren't these water breaks, right? When we're talking about potentially changing something from the last quarter, and we can see the managers talking in every water break, and that's not supposed to be allowed, um, the sooner they're gone, the better. Because Kerry get down to a, a red card. How difficult that is to manage that, you know, from the sideline shouting. They all just walked in to the manager, and he was able to, you know, this, this, and Kerry were able to respond brilliantly after going a man down. Yeah, and I suppose that's part of it that. Like that's a trait of a great team as well is how well they can communicate on the pitch when something goes wrong or something goes right how they can like as Colm says playing against Dublin a few years ago 5-1 down and how Dublin changed their style of play on the field and that's about kind of the communication on the field what you've talked about in the lead up but as you say if you get the opportunity of a water break all of a sudden the manager can make that change for you and it yeah. becomes a lot easier but look they have their pros and cons like I'm not sure if they're if they're needed at this stage to be honest with you um, I think coming off the back in the league coming off the back of the National League lads be fitter and stuff we could probably do away with them but um, it certainly gives an opportunity for a manager to make changes and stuff and even if if they want to make a change in the style of play and stuff it's good for us so it might have it might have some some um, some pros as well and that after a water break a team can come out and play a little bit differently maybe change their style of play or whatever so it, it, it's look it has the pros and cons but I think if, if, if I had to choose I'd probably I'd probably do away with it at this yeah. stage yeah. yeah I definitely would so obviously Division 1 uh, South there was no excitement in that Dublin and Kerry have gone through like if Dublin or Tyrone win their semi-finals um, our Division 1 uh, final will only be played if Tyrone and Dublin win because if Kerry or Donegal win there'll be no Division 1 final we know there's going to be no Division 2 final because Clare play Mayo and both of them are out too early now I would say the Division 2 teams would happily switch those around you know to make it so that there's a chance there'll be a league final um, there's going to be no Division 4 uh, final and there'll be no Division 3 final if Offaly or Limerick win so like I mean there is a very good chance here Colin that we'll have no National League final in any division now holy shit can we not have the All-Ireland final one week later so we can have league finals this is the National Football League like what hi- what history books want to see two teams share in the feckin' league why is one week in, in the whole season here 
Yeah, look, it's it's definitely a strange setup. Obviously, not one that's really reared its head, but like it really takes away from the competition in my eyes. Really, yeah. Like, you know, what what's like in my eyes? What would be the point of playing the National League if you're not going to have a winner? And I understand there'll be relegation and that, but you know, ultimately you you play the you know the National League to try and but 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 like what we spoke about earlier, but winning you know and trying to win the league and you know if there's not going to be any finals like it, it really really degrades the whole point of it you know you may as well have been playing challenge to a point more or less playing challenge games yeah. for a few weeks or you know obviously just to avoid relegation and that but um ultimately you know we're in a we're in a strange scenario i don't know how the fixtures have been set and why they couldn't have just rejected slightly it's just um, one week obviously more more qualified people than me to be able to, to, to be able to interrogate the fixtures but at the same time well yeah one week like um it doesn't really make any sense in my eyes. I think it's it's I say they've had their challenges and well, obviously with COVID and whatnot and trying to get the fixtures right and uh, and that. But it really they should have made a very very conscious effort to be able to make sure that there's there's finals to be played and 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 ultimately the, the you know that's not it may not happen at this stage. Yeah, it's looking like it's not, Alan. Like I mean, that's the reality. They, why didn't they just play the first from each group in a final? Well, they could have and done that. And they've the semi-finals. Like then it's you, just it's, it's, it's bizarre to be honest with and you. And those top two then are promoted. Yeah. yeah so like I bizarre. mean, yeah. So that that that's just a very quick fix. But like I would even say, if they're doing it, look at the amount of teams that are out early in the championships. It was never going to happen. There's so many different teams in Munster, in in and in Ulster and in Leinster playing on that weekend that the league finals were due for. It was never never any chance that this wasn't going to become an issue because Paul Kerrigan said this on the first league preview show and I, I hadn't even read it. It was like this slipped under the radar and I was saying, what's Kerrigan saying here? I was trying to scramble to, to Google it and uh, he Kerrigan, Paul was right. He was talking about Donegal not being able to play if they make the league final because they're in the preliminary and then I didn't realise there's so many other games on that weekend. It was just a very, very obvious mess and Colm saying there's people better qualified. I was going to say, hoping you weren't going to say better qualified to make the fixtures because there definitely isn't. Uh, you were saying to, to comment on the fixtures but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very frustrating. We might talk a little bit more about that in Thursday's show when we're looking ahead uh, to the weekend and we have more time. Division 2, all the excitement was in the south uh, division. Kildare, Clare and Cork all finished on four points. Cork lose out in score difference. Um, obviously, their last minute winner uh, means that there'll be no Division 2 final because like, we're, like I was just saying, Clare now play Mayo. Um, instead of Mead, I was watching uh, watched the second half of this. Um, I'd say a draw probably would have been a fair result. Um, this one, Brian Hurley sending off lads was a very strange one because he had played so well when he came on. It was a second yellow, and it was a deserved second yellow. Um, we didn't really get to see. I don't know that it showed on League Sunday last night. I didn't see that. Um, um, but obviously, his sending off had a big impact on how Cork were playing. But they still uh, managed to manage to pull it off. Still. An awful lot of running column out of Cork, you'd have to say, rather than, I don't know, maybe I've become obsessed with teams just kicking it in there. I get frustrated by teams running running the ball too much and maybe a little bit like Donegal, Jamie Brennan might encourage them, Brian Hurley encouraged them to kick it. Um, I don't know, Cork, the jury's out. Even John O'Rourke is a weird one. I always saw him as a working half forward and now he's playing as an orthodox corner forward. He got four points, he's doing all right, but I don't know, there's something just not convincing about Cork. Yeah, look, it's it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint probably at this stage, and you know whether, but like we spoke around earlier, whether teams are really really heavily focused uh, in, the, in these early days, or maybe just because of the lack of preparation that you know there's very little consistency in that. And the likes of Brian Hurley having having an option that, like him inside definitely encourages you know teams to kick the ball, 
um, even you know whether it's Murphy for Donegal, whether it's McShane for Tyrone, having having that presence inside, I think is very important uh, at the moment, and you know because it will encourage people to kick a, to kick the ball. And I know we haven't probably used, haven't seen the advanced mark used as full potential at the moment, rightly or wrongly, but. Um, you know, having that target option in there for for a team will de- will definitely give you that option and really, you know, it'll, it'll mean that teams, you know, just sitting back and that they'll have to think, you know, they'll, they'll give them something to think about. While Cork at times are, you know, obviously we're we're running the ball an awful lot and yeah, look, it's 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 what we've probably seen over the last few years out, out of teams and that you know. We're sort of now thinking, look, can, can, can we push on? Can we go back to the old way of playing football and, you know, man on man, kick ball in and stuff? But, um, you know, definitely having that, that, that sort of option inside for teams will, will definitely, you know, will definitely give that sort of that sort of encouragement to, 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 to kick the ball and be a bit more sort of flamboyant in that regard. Yeah, exactly. A disastrous league for Leash. They lost all three games. Now they play Westmead in a relegation match and then they have Westmead again in the championship so it could be a right old boring year for Leash altogether like I mean nobody even two two games against Westmead and three very bad losses um, wouldn't really get the pulse um, going no real excitement in Division 2 North as we knew May, Mead and Mayo were through Mead made eight changes in this one and then we're getting hammered and you can, I can imagine how this game had gone the big plus for Mead is, is that Mickey Newman is back he scored 555 in 2019 missed all last year through injury he's there top player he's there David Clifford he's their scorer he scored a brilliant point at the end he's got great control he's a big man he's a free taker you know suddenly you get him in there you've Killian O'Sullivan on the 40 you've young Shane Walsh he's out injured he's a very good player um, Jordan Morris Thomas O'Reilly I don't know Mead have probably a lot to be optimistic about I wouldn't even I would completely discount the result in that match yeah, they're making progress for sure, and he is a he is a huge addition to have him back. He is a really good footballer, and you said when you need somebody to get scores, Mead probably over the last number of years haven't had somebody no. that they could really really rely on to 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 consistently um, clock up decent scores in the scoreboard. But he can do it. He has the has the football. He has the ability to do it. And look, it's hard to know. Kildare are going well too. So if you're looking at a Leinster Championship, Mead or Kildare, who's who's going the better of the two would be maybe um, a good tussle between them. I think and and and. Probably the two of them are vying for for probably the second spot in Leinster at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how they f- how they fare against each other if they meet each other. Yeah, we could have a brilliant rivalry for the second place team in Leinster. Really, really give us something to sing and sh- sing and shout about. Aidan O'Shea was back for Mayo, Column. You know, the big worry for Mayo was that he'd be gone for the whole championship when he did his knee. That was his first game back from the All Ireland final. Obviously, so important to Mayo and his consistency and you know time on the field that was his first there like, I mean the record from when he started until he missed some of these games I don't, I don't think he's ever missed a championship game because of injury which is incredible that's that's a brilliant start actually but yeah look great to see him back and you know they would have been very very keen to get him on the pitch to get get minutes under the belt and you know I say just given the season that we're in and how quick things are going to run in it, it's, it's important for the likes of Aiden to be on the pitch finding his form um, early and that you know you know such a massive player for Mayo um, has can play probably pretty much anywhere between you know obviously from midfield right up to centre forward and full forward and you know I remember just over the years even trying to set up against him and who, who, like we were nearly putting a man marker on him out the, fit, out the pitch so just such a, a big presence probably a wee bit like Murphy even from for Donegal yeah. and that is such a big player he brings that count what Alan said earlier brings calmness around uh, in a team and you know once he's playing and 
look, it's just, as I say, it's good to see him back out. And, uh, if, you know, if he can stay fit, it's obviously a, a massive plus for Mayo. And I say the more minutes he, he can get before the championship, the better. I often see Aidan O'Shea, like, I mean, if he's playing full forward and he doesn't score enough, he gets kind of criticised when he's not a scorer, Alan. You know what I mean? He's, his best position is working around midfield. And he does. He's a fair man to tackle um, and get through a lot of work. I'm re- remembering when Callum saying there that they used to man-mark him. I remember it was the 13 final. Keno Sullivan ran him all over Crow Park. Do you remember that for kickouts? Yeah. And he, was, he actually, he probably went to attack him that day rather than try to mark him. Yeah, I think part of the problem with Aiden is where exactly do you play him? Do they play him full forward or you play him around the middle and are because maybe it's come to the stage where 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 they might use him off the bench. I don't know, but it's it's. Why are like you putting all these players uh, off the bench? Conor McManus last week, now Aidan O'Shea. So all all the great players finish their careers <laughs> off the bench. It's incredible. I don't know. I just it's a man who cried on the phone to me for about three years because he was being used <laughs> off the bench. Look, it's important for for. Like I think Mayo over the last number of years probably have struggled with guys coming off the bench and I think for the top teams to really if they want to compete with Dublin I think as Colin mentioned earlier on they need to sustain the challenge for, for 70 minutes and if you're if you're weakening your team when you're bringing on your three or four subs then that's going to be a real challenge for you so I think the team that does eventually does eventually beat Dublin I think will have will have to use a strong bench coming off so that they're strong going into the last 10 minutes when the game is in the mental pot and, and, and look I'm not saying he should be on the bench he's obviously still still a very good player and has a huge role to play but um, like imagine the lift that, 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 that a Mayo crowd if there is a crowd there later on in the summer we'll get to see Aidan O'Shea coming off the bench with a half an hour left and not accepting, not accepting this. No, okay, not accepting no. this at all. Yeah. Where, I'm cutting you off. Where do we play? Full forward <laughs> and midfield. Uh, centre forward, maybe. Centre I forward. always thought it was his best position. Division 3 North, Derry and Fermanagh are through. Um, I watched Derry and Cavan. Um, actually, Sean Quigley got a fisted point in the sixth minute of injury time to get Fermanagh through. Um, that was against Longford. It got them a draw and a point. I watched Derry Cavan. As Derry were up for it, it was funny yet the final whistle. Rory, Ga- Rory Goller stuck his fist up to the up to the stand. You think the stand was full? There was no- nobody in it. But I don't know. Was he giving the fist up to his substitutes? But it just showed Derry mean business. They won the three games. Um, they were by far the better team than Cavan. Um, they pressed the kickouts very aggressively. Now, if they don't win the kickout, they're accepting that that's the end of the press. They're kind of you know retreating back a little bit. Then, which is which? Look, it's it's Rory Gallagher at the end of the day. I'd be glad that he's just even um, even pressing them. But they, they give some lovely ball into McGuigan, who's an absolutely incredible player. We'll, we'll mention him in performance of the weekend. They have a nice little balance between a decent kicking game, getting it into McGuigan. McGuigan could definitely do with a partner a bit more danger in there and, you know, getting some bodies back. Not a bad team to watch at all and definitely a team column that are, are going in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think they I watch this game as well. I think they're very similar to Armand nearly in that. Yeah. They've they've showed massive improvement uh, week on week and like yeah you can see Rory Gallagher's obviously trying he's understanding that that hopeful defensive piece is yet you know has its place but you know ultimately to win an Ulster title or whatever you know they're going to have to have a more attack focused game and and they have done like they've kicked the ball well they have run at times you know they're aggressive um, showing very very good signs um, very you know. They've impressed me definitely to date. Um, I think, yeah, McGuigan, obviously we'll talk about him there, but he's just an unbelievable footballer. Like, that's probably the, one of the only few times that I've seen him play. I've seen him play, and like, he he was exceptional at the weekend. But, um, 
and Bradley from from midfield as well. Obviously, you know, coming flying through as well. So Derry are definitely on the up. It's just probably the key for me is a bit bit like RMI. You know, can they carry that form in the, the Ulster Championship? Can they? You know, sometimes you know, I say the league form is is one thing, but coming in the the, the nitty gritty of the championship and on, on knockout day is uh, is something completely different. Um, so like definitely a lot of positive signs, a bit like RMI, but um, they'll just have to you know. You know, obviously they've done their job. They've done what they've set out to do, um, but you know it's yet to be seen whether they can they can carry that form into the championship. Yeah, Chrissy McKay cleaned uh, Connor Madden. You know, um, uh, Kieran McFall did an awful lot of work on the wing. Um, looks to be a good position for him. Um, kind of all all action. Garrett McKinless started like a train. He was bombing forward at every opportunity. He went to score a goal then, and I think he hurt himself and he kind of forgot the fall. He kind of gave up on the forward runs. But he looks like a decent um, weapon from there. They impressed me. Niall Lachlan scored a brilliant goal, Alan, in along the sideline, and uh, like. How many times do players fist that ball over the bar? No, I'm not fisting over the bar. I'm going for a goal. He buried it. They win by two points. Now, every commentator I've ever seen, I don't know how this got into their head that, oh, he took the sensible option. Now, I would would have even forgiven him from coming in at that angle. Like, I've often done it myself. But he went for the goal and got it. At what point do players stop taking that fist behind and actually... I saw Dermot O'Connor against Roscommon last year coming in at that tight angle. And he, I was just set up, all right, fist pass. He buried it into the far corner. Do you know what I mean? I think goalkeepers might potentially be switching off at that angle now. Players do it so often. Yeah, well, I suppose it shows the confidence that's flown through that dairy team at the moment. And um, we talk about the National League and, and what places they have and how serious the teams take it. And obviously, Derry are taking it fairly serious. And look at the confidence boost that's, that, that's going to give them now going into an Ulster Championship three wins on the bounce like I think if we look back I'd say it's it's a good while since Derry won three wins and three wins in the bounce in the National League and um, you could see obviously see what it meant to Rory afterwards and um, he's taken a bit of slack I think after last year probably um, for some of Derry's results but they've they, they've um, they've going to come out now and he looks to have the balance right as you said he's he's like he's obviously a defensively minded coach but yeah. as Colin says knows he has to attack to win football matches and, and they did that very well at the weekend Shane McGuigan was was exceptional. Um, I haven't seen much of him, but what I saw of him last night on on, on um, Sunday Sports, some of his score taking was 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 absolutely fantastic. And like again, they're a team. They're a team that are going in the right direction. And you look at the likes of the likes of Derry, maybe compared to the likes of Cork, who have been disappointed within the National League. Like if you were if kind of going into a championship to have three wins on the bounce, I think is 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 huge for a county like Derry. And um, Probably that goal probably sums it up in that he didn't decide to go for the easier option. The confidence is flowing. Yeah. I'll have a go at the goal here um, and you get your reward off. He had kicked an incredible 45 not long before it from his wrong side. It was like a bullet over the bar. I don't know if League Sunday showed that last night or not. Division 3 South, awfully the most impressive, won all three games. Derry, awfully Mayo and Antrim are the four counties that won all three games. Not that many, um, actually. This was 1-11 each at the, uh, at the second water break and then Offaly took over, scored six points to one um, to see it out. Niall McNamee inspired him. He came off the bench, scored three uh, brilliant points. We saw two of them on League Sunday. I saw the highlights um, of this one. See, this is the thing, uh, Colm, when you see the likes of Niall McNamee in Division 3, it's like a Division 1 player playing in Division 3. It just looks like he's on a completely different level. Yeah, look, you know, Niall's obviously been been around uh, a, a long time and a, and a fantastic player. And 
look, as I say, you came on and what you, you obviously kicked a, a few nice points in the, in, in the final part of the part of the quarter. And look, it's it's sometimes probably frustrating for guys maybe and playing in the, the, the you know in, in the lower divisions that you know that they have such good quality. Um, and probably seen that over the over a few over the years, even the probably the international rules series and stuff where some of the guys who are playing lower divisions have really, you know, you're able to see their talent in, in, in full full blossom on that. So, um, but look, definitely, uh, awfully were, you know, obviously very impressive and, you know, uh, being able to, to, being able to, to bring Niall McNamee off the bench and, and kick, uh, is definitely a, a plus point for them. So again, look, the key for them will be, you know, just building on their, such a, such a, such an impressive league performance and, Again, seeing how they can how, how they can carry that forward. Yeah, Alan, you'll be delighted. Niall McNamee is an impact sub, you know, no less. So he'll be absolutely <laughs> thrilled off the bench <laughs> in Division Four. Um, like I said, Antrim won all three games. Two seventeen, they scored against Leitrim and conceded one nineteen. Now, Antrim for the last uh, numerous years have been a very defensive team. Obviously, Enda McGinley has gone in there managing. Stephen O'Neill is the coach column. Now he coached you guys. And we were talking on the show here. Stephen O'Neill played in an unbelievable Tyrone team that left f- five forwards up, maybe two or chasing four at least. He, every bit of him kind of would believe in forward play, playing in the forwards and interlink. And then he's coming in to, to coach a forward line that plays predominantly on the break. Number one, what did Stephen O'Neill do kind of in there to try and coach a team that he probably would have very little experience kind of playing. Yeah, Stevie, like you ask anyone in in Toronto football, they've, they've uh, anyone that's played under him as would recognise he's probably one of he probably is he's obviously one of the best forwards of Toronto uh, all time. And the key part of Stevie is that he's he's such an intelligent player himself. He knows where to run. He was never the fastest. He, he obviously had a really good jink and a good dummy, but. Was never the fastest player himself, but you know he knew when to make a run. He knew where to run, you know. And look, he done some brilliant work with Tyrone. I think you'll only have to speak to Cahill McShane at some point in the future, and you'll see. Uh, ask him, you know, why he had such a good year, uh, and you know he'll put a lot down to what Stevie Stevie spent an awful lot of time. He managed guys one to one very well, and and sort of explaining for when they should run, how they should run, and. Look, that's natural. Like Stevie's just ha- has that, and he's obviously carried that in the in the Andrum and you know trying to coach boys. You know, some obviously Andrum has some very good forwards, and whenever you start getting wired and they run back and being defense, being defensive, bit like we spoke about last week about you're wired in the defending all the time, and sometimes that sort of forward movement and uh, you know where you should be making your runs and you know when you should be cutting and and whatnot. Probably the finer details of forward play. Stevie O'Neill was. You know, was brilliant at that with us, and and seems to have carried that into Antrim, and you know they've they've put up some really really big scores. Right. Okay. So that's an that's an interesting kind of one on one stuff. Rather, I suppose co- sometimes you think coaches are are dictating the game plans, and often the time the coach is coming in and he has to work within what you know the manager's game plan is. You know, cause for me it didn't fe- feel like a great fit, Stephen O'Neill. Um, and Tyrone but look like you say like if he's coaching I'm sure telling Cottle McShane to stay close to goals don't be making runs out to the wing that's not where we want you and stuff like that that was kind of benefiting him Yeah definitely um, look, don't get me wrong he, he, Stevie had an awful lot of input into obviously how, how, how the attacking setup went as well as a whole but you know I suppose from our, from our point of view, having that sort of individual piece and sort of working with players before and after trainings and stuff like that, they're, they're the small bits that, 
you know, you can only do so much in, a, in an hour and 15 in a, on, a, on a training pitch. And I suppose his his sort of X factor for how he sort of transformed Tyrone in a way and that is that he spent an awful lot of times with guys off the pitch, whether it was on the phone the next day or whatever it was. I just know from speaking to some of the lads, obviously it wasn't, he didn't work with me very much given my forward role, but I, I just I just know that he, he did an awful lot of work behind the scenes with the guys. And look, it, it definitely showed in the in, on how Tyrone sort of were trying to, change that mindset and trying to sort of you know you know just be a bit more have that more attacking presence and you know I say I'm to keep referencing Cahill McShane because it's obviously the year that he that he did have um so yeah it's it's definitely a plus point for Antrim and I think you know they'll continue to build on that and and I'd say and uh, and and Stevie will be fairly close and they'll be able to bounce each bounce off each other fairly well and you know they'll give you know I think and they'll give Stevie fairly uh, fairly flex will be fairly flexible with him in terms of you know how he wants to how he wants to do that forward setup yeah exactly like I mean Antrim supporters must be absolutely delighted 217 um, at home Carlos supporters must be delighted too they won their, their two games I didn't include them in the three because there was only three in their division they beat Wexford um, by a point they're running up big scores and involved in exciting games as well which is something they might not have been too um, used to for the last uh, two or three years right we'll leave it there lads and we will do performance of the week next all right performance of the weekend the first nomination is emmett bradley um jesus he's some man to kick us he's some man to kick a point um column you were watching this the same as me like comes late onto things um he's big strong powerful i know connor glass is beside him and he was he was all right better than last year like he got himself a point um but Emmett Bradley, he remind like I I don't know what it is about uh, playing a forward in midfield. It's such a weapon for teams. Like and the greatest example of this is your brother Sean. Like I mean, I don't know what it is midfielders. There's an ego about midfielders in that they're not defenders. So I refuse to man mark you. It's not my game. You'll have to man mark me as well. And look, let's see who wins. So if you play a forward-minded player in midfield, he can cause absolute havoc. Yeah, absolutely. Lamont was exceptional at the weekend. I thought he was, you know, he was up there. Obviously, Shane McGuigan was obviously probably the the pick of them. But look, he he had he had such a great game, and you know, them. Run, I suppose Alan spoke about it earlier on in the in the show around you know coming from defenders coming from deep and stuff. And you know, Amit has that sort of strength where he's able to get the ball for very very comfortable and as very very accurate as well. So I think look, he he's a massive plus for Derry. I, you know, and I, I think. You know, we've we, we've played against Derry over the years, and uh, Amit's like, he, he's a serious footballer. He's very, very he's a tough, 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 tough player just to, to come up against. And because he's able to make them runs, and I said more very, very comfortable in the ball. He, he's such a hard man to stop. And given if teams are setting up defensively, you know he can break a line. He can go past somebody uh, and kick a score. And that's probably it's probably something that teams have lacked in Derry, especially you know maybe over the last few years. And you know seeing him at the weekend there, he you know he really took the game by the scruff of the neck and you know gave Derry that sort of impetus to to push on. Yeah. So Shane McGuigan, we've mentioned him already. He got four from play, four frees. Like his last free was in a sensation. It was practically a sideline ball. I think it was the point he got in the first half where it, he started it out way left and it came back in. Like the technique to do that, the way that curled. You know, it wasn't like the generic curl you see. This was like a delayed curl or something that just came. Just lovely control over it and then you see Sam Mulroy from Loud 2-3 he got 2-1 from play Sean Quigley 1-8 again for Fermanagh and you're looking I mentioned Niall McNamee you're looking at these Division 1 level players 
playing in lower divisions and it's sometimes and often on their own like everything goes through them so like I don't know would these lads be better in a better team where they have to share the ball with two other brilliant forwards or are they better as a big fish in a small team Alan do you understand me where everything goes through them yeah look it's hard to know I suppose in a, in a in a better team they might get better ball or they might get more of the ball but I think the most important thing is when you have when you have the talent that those guys have it's important that you're performing for your county and so often we've seen guys with talent not performing for whatever reason not getting enough ball attitude not being right whatever it is but kind of those guys are really standing up particularly like the Niall McNamee kind of coming in there like it's been a tough few years for Offaly I'm sure a tough few, tough few years for him and he can come in and score three points at the end of a game like that when, when Offaly need him Sam Mulroy obviously I think Lauda we didn't mention Lauda Lauda won two out of their three games Zero I think they're in the I think they're in the playoffs are they? They play Carlin, so that's, yeah. that's certainly a good result for for um, a good start for Mickey Hart as well so um, but Shane McGuigan obviously is probably probably the pick of the bunch some of his scores were exceptional and he's he, he's actually slight enough it's not like most guys you see now are, are, are broad up top or whatever but he's like he's a slight build for a full forward but he's like he's really nippy he's a lovely jink as you say he can shoot he's a lovely strike at the ball and, and, and that was the first real time I'd seen him play but he was some of the score taking was exceptional. Yeah, I, I think he like he's worked a lot on his right too because the last time I kind of watching him he was very left, um, very left. But he he seems to have both now. But talking about a man who's all left footed, Paddy Paddy McBrearty, he's totally left footed. Like I mean, in this day and age, column it's very unusual to have an inside forward as good as him that doesn't really turn to his other side at all. What got into him the other night? He never takes lads on. That's Jamie Brennan's job. Paddy McBrearty comes on the loop like Dean Rock or whatever. Now he did get one on the loop, but geez, he went straight at the heart of the Armagh defence. A bit like Stephen Campbell, who was exceptional as well, scored four, made the goal and was fouled for at least two frees. But he, the, the big obvious thing from Stephen Campbell and Paddy McBrearty get the ball, run straight at your man. And that looked to be the message because that's what both of them were doing. I think I think I think over the years, like McBeardy, obviously, definitely, he's always coming on the loop. We always would have set up going right. He, we know he's going to come on the loop. He's all left footed. Now you could never probably stop him anyway because he was so smart and cute. He knew when to make the run and get that yard of space, and you know the ball's over the bar. And uh, it was one of the it's one of the probably frustrating things even with um, watching that type of player. You're going, I know you have that in you to actually go past men, but you're you're too comfortable. You know, just kicking the ball, going on the loop, and taking that easy easy option. Um, Campbell obviously at the weekend was 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 brilliant. He he had obviously a poor game against Throne and. He really stepped up and probably a big confidence player. He, you know, once he got a wee bit of confidence early on, you could see he just wanted the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted to go up, man. You know, he was driving down the driving down the at the at the defence, and you know, he, he was a joy to watch actually because you know he was, you know, you see sometimes guys having a poor game and it's very hard to rebound back. But he did. He was he was exceptional at the weekend, and even watching Tyrone is probably one of our big things. Is you know watching even the likes of Darren McCurry because he. Bit like McBrady and that he's always looking at that pass or, or you know off the loop and shooting from distance and never seems to actually go out, man. But even he, I can watch watching him at the weekend as well. Yes, he can take them scores, but he is actually getting more in this game where he, he's driving forward. And I think because of the blanket defences over the years as well, t- teams have been practicing how to you know obviously get the shots away, get the scores from from angles and from distance and whatnot. And now, now probably teams are realising look, there's, there's things that are opening back up here again. You know, there's not 14 men behind the ball at all times. There will be opportunities for me to go up, man. And you are seeing these types of players that you associate with playing on the loop and playing off that sort of handy pass. Then now actually realising, you know, there is space to go goals here. 
Yeah, I think part 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 of the problem with Paddy McBrady is he's probably spent years playing on a Donegal team that are running it all the way to a full forward line. Then they get stopped there, they look back and they just pop it back out to him. So that's like as Colin says, that's probably the way he's been worried for years is that that the half back line or a half forward line are gonna run it into the full forward line, they're gonna be stopped by a defender turn around and slip it back to me and he's been doing that for he's been doing that for years but like I'd never would have doubted Paddy McBurty's ability to take on defenders um, and it's great to see him do more because he's like he's so so dangerous and, and look all those guys in such good form it's great coming into a championship all the top forwards seem to be in good form seem to be going well so it bodes well for uh, for upcoming games and moving yeah. on into the I was going to ask. I was going to ask you about like you love taking on your man. Like I mean, that's what you when you're in the full forward line, especially you'll turn and you'll go straight at him. But if there's a sweeper, then you're probably thinking, I go around him. Am I getting any joy? He's going to get hands on me. Will I actually get any joy out of taking him on? Do you know? Or maybe yeah, well, maybe yeah, like, like as you know, in the early stages of our careers, that was like it was it was very much man on man. And 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 um, when I first started playing with Dublin, like the first thing Tommy Lyons taught me was when you get the ball, you just turn and you go as hard at as, uh, at your defender's shoulder as you can. So that's that's the way we were coached. That's the way I was coached. Was as soon as I wanted to attack my man and see can you beat the first guy, and then when you get the score yourself or the play opens up, whatever. And um, but that's obviously changed over the years. Now it's more about retaining possession because of too many men back, and you're holding possession un- until somebody falls asleep so you can punch through that gap. Yeah, and maybe we're just seeing a little bit of a kind of coming full cycle again and there's kind of more opportunity now for like for men to take each other on and like, like we've been saying it for a couple of years when when I'm kind of watching matches in Crow Park and stuff it, it's very rare in the last few years that you see an opportunity for a corner forward to take his corner back on one on one and like I think it'll be great to see more of that coming into the summer now and, and, and I think it probably will shore up a little bit because of all the goals that have been leaked over the last number of weeks but but it certainly looks like it is becoming a little bit more offensive again Yeah, no definitely um, Cormac, I'm putting Cormac Costello Conor Callaghan and Kieran Kilkenny um, nominating all three together because these lads are getting a bit of a, a little bit of a uh, kind of a groove going the three of them and I don't know I'm starting to think Dean Rock will be looking at this going Cormac Costello he's linked up brilliantly well with Con and Kilkenny they're all very similar ages they would know each other terribly well and that full forward line column is looking very very dangerous and they're all chipping in from play um, and they're all like I said linking up fairly well Yeah no they definitely are and Kilkenny Kilkenny especially really impressed me at the weekend you know he, he, he would he score two three, point, two, three points and he, he typically we sort of see him as a just you know, a, a lot of time of a link player, and now he's he say he's chipping in with scores, and them seem them guys seem to have a good, a very fairly good relationship um, built up. And but look, that's probably the the the, the joy that Dublin have at the moment. That you know, and that's the the, the that shows how how good a team they are with having all them options with with, with Rock and that to come back in as well. So, um, Cormac Costello is obviously one that has been. Nobody, well, I could never understand how he never started on a Dublin team, really. Uh, well, Dean Rock. Dean Rock is the answer, I suppose. He got five from play against the defensive Galway yesterday. Yeah, look, that's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's something, it's something just to watch over the, over the weeks. I, I think them, them guys have, you build, you do build good relationships inside Allen, obviously, you'll know a, a bit more about the forward piece, but, you know, sometimes having that sort of, uh, building that sort of knowing where, where, where guys are going to be running and, and having that relationship 
and building that over week on week, it becomes natural. Then it becomes you don't even need, you, you sort of don't even need to know where guys are. You know where they're going to be every time, and um, that's 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 a definitely a plus point for them. But look, there's there's still as I say, there's guys to come back in there as well, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be guys. And Alan spoke about it earlier, Ryan having players to come on to beat Dublin um, from, from from the sub bench, and you know, obviously Dublin still have that. You know, people have been talking about Dublin declining over the last year or two. It hasn't happened. They're they're bringing these guys through, and they're still having these weapons that are going to be coming off the bench. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, like I suppose Connick here on our nailed on starters. The interesting part of that for me is the is the Cormac Costello versus Dean Rocco, whatever you want to call it. Can you have the two of them in the same team? Probably it's, not. It's probably unlikely the two of them be in the same team. So I suppose all Cormac can do now is, is put his hand up and do as much as he can to make it difficult for the management not to pick him. And to be fair to him, he's done that. And um, I think he got one twelve the, the first day, two three the last day uh, and the last two games whatever he got yesterday five from play and a few frees so he's he, like he's doing his job he's putting his hand up for selection and, and like a part of me would think when when Dean comes back will they really trust Cormac to play See, him ahead of Dean Rockin well um, here's the thing even if they do trust him he just needs one bad half an hour and he's taken off at yeah, half time and Dean is, Rock's on it's a bit like Kevin McManaman in his early years yeah so is Cormac going to be looking over like if he starts with Dean Rock on the bench is Cormac going to be looking over his shoulder would he be better off relinquish the freeze altogether I don't know it's a difficult one for Cormac because like obviously Dean is so experienced he's, he's, he's so good under pressure in the big game stuff has nailed such some very important freeze so um, I think what will probably happen is Cormac will start in the championship kind of going off his league result and then it's up to himself to see if he can if he can keep the form going but he'll be under he'll be under a bit of pressure because as you say all he needs is one bad half hour or a couple of missed frees and then they'll be putting it. and he's not as solid as Dean on the frees he's a decent no. free taker but who is as solid but as it, Dean on the frees to be fair is Carmuck, uh, uh why is it between Carmuck and Dean just because they're free takers could Carmuck get Paddy Small's position by the way he's in better form than Paddy Small Paddy Small's getting the, has the 13 jersey now that Mannion's not around I'm just after thinking of that Kilkenny will Kilkenny Kenny will start with wearing 11 but he's playing in there as well so it, like I think Paddy Small plays kind of out a little bit on the wing against Kerry so maybe he could maybe Costello can say here hang on a second stop always putting me up against Dean Rocky yeah and, on, and if you could put the two of them in the same team I think it would take some of that pressure off Cormac that hold on if I miss a couple of frees here am I going to be am I going to be hooked off for Dean to come on and hit the freeze it might take some of the pressure off him and we might see the best of Cormac in Crow Park because there's no doubt in his talent and we've seen it we've seen it for a number of years and I've seen it close up I know how good he is he's, he's an electric footballer when he's on his uh, when he's on his game but he probably just hasn't been consistent enough over the last number of years particularly in the bigger games but look he looks to be in good form this year and he's he's, he's, um, he's certainly going to make it difficult for the management not to pick him Yeah, Are you starting him Colin? I think he has to start um, I think just knowing how teams operate, and I think Alan's right, and uh, you have to based on the league performances and to date, you ha- you have to he has to start in the championship, um, and uh, you know it will be in the back of his head, no doubt that if I'm if I'm poor here, I I'm, I'm going to be the first one hooked, uh, and that. But look, he's in a he's in a good position, you know. At the end of the day, it's in a, his position is in his own hands, and sometimes. Like we've seen it over the years with Tyrone as well. When you're playing and your form's good, and you, it's, very, it's very hard to get back in. I know Dean Rock's look; he's not an exceptional player. He doesn't miss freeze. You know, he's obviously very. He's got everything, but at the same time, he's still probably. You know, if Cormac Costello was dropped now in the morning, there would be there'd be outrage. Like he, you know, he's been brilliant, 
brilliant for Dublin and you have to give him his opportunity and if he continues to play well I don't see him being dropped so yeah you might be right there could be other guys who could be under pressure just not Cormac Oslo um, but that's 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 why you know that's that's you're, always, you're looking that sort of team pace. You're looking them guys pushing each other on, and you know Dean Rack will understand probably that these guys have to start. They've played the, all the league, and and you know that's having them weapons on the bench. As, as I said earlier, is going to be going to be key, key key for them. The the pressure on Dublin players, and this is probably probably why Dublin are usually have good league performances because if you are not on the, the team for the start of the Leicester Championship, Alan. Like you're going to win the first three games in Leinster very comfortably, so you, you're you know you're going to perform as a forward. So like I mean, if you don't make that first game against say Westmead or Offaly, are you like oh bollocks? The next the, ne- the next time I could get a chance here is an All Ireland semi final. You know yeah. you'll have your place completely gone. Yeah, and at that stage it could be a little bit too late. And yeah, I've seen that a number of times over the last few years. If you're not in the team at the start of the championship, it's very rare. They're certainly not wholesale. No, there might be one change or two change might made by the time by the time Dublin are in the semi-final so it's difficult to get back in yeah if it, like if you don't get your spot at the start um, but that's said Cormac is one of those players that probably does have to will start the uh, start of the championship and yeah. as Com says it's up to himself to hold on to the jersey yeah exactly David Tuberty lads is the last uh, nomination he scored 1-8 one, one penalty uh, six frees two beautiful scores off his left uh, from play in a weird way lads he's 35 yesterday he became the top scorer in National League history across all four divisions so he's a phenomenal player we've had him on the show um, here before he looks 35 as well and like I mean in the second half he's out playing wing forward and Maddie Taylor column like I'm like Jesus like if Maddie Taylor doesn't practically have a free role on a 35 year old um, as a wing forward but he, he play made from that position he wasn't going to get up and down the field doing a load of work but he was getting on ball I think when you have that respect in a team like Clare whenever he wanted the ball he's a, you know he's getting it you know that kind of a lad he's just again another example of a division one player well he has been for the last 15 years playing in the lower divisions yeah look becoming the top scorer obviously in league history is its own brilliance in itself obviously um, but look uh, you know for like anyone playing at that at that level at that age you know I have to take, you know you have to look at it and go that's 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 brilliant that's unbelievable like you know I'm still only 33 coming 34 and I'm watching going this guy is you know as everything and yeah look he, he probably you know as you say he's not working up and down as much as uh, you know on and that but we talked about earlier having players up the pitch and you know being able to do damage um obviously having a, a good free taker is important obviously got a penalty as well and kicked a couple from play so look an all-round fantastic performance and uh, you know at the weekend from him and look he uh he's just yeah look again going back to the the, the age profile normally you know you, you just have to admire somebody at that level playing at that level and you know, obviously, just a class act. You know, as you say, a, play, a Division One player playing in lower divisions. So look, it's it's definitely was a it was one that you know you're sort of standing back on. You know, we have to give serious credit for 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 that performance. Definitely serious credit, Alan. Just to finish up on this point, like I mean, David Tuberty's not going to win anything realistically. Like I mean, he was never going to play in a league final this year because of the way it's after working out. They've drawn Kerry again this. Year. <laughs> They've drawn Kerry again this year. Um, in Munster so they're not going to even get to a Munster final and he's still doing it became the league all-time top scorer like you'd have a, I don't know how I don't know how he does it because like I mean I don't know playing with Leash down through the years you know if especially with Dublin dominating Leinster I'd be looking at Leash players going Jesus like I mean what what's the point of this now whereas when Leash were winning at least you'd have be highly motivated to come back like I mean 35 to be still doing it without much chance 
really no chance this year of winning anything. Yeah, it's it's um, it's remarkable leadership really to still be to still be going at that age and 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 kicking those scores and being such an important still an important player in that team. Um, and as you say, we've spoken before on this show about about teams in Leinster maybe starting to feel is there any point in this because we're uh, because Dublin have won like 11 Leinsters in a row and I suppose there's your answer Yeah, there's a guy like that coming out to represent his county and still performing at the highest level yeah, 35 exactly. years of age so for that reason and for becoming the league's top scorer in history across all four divisions um, because Conor Callaghan and Kieran Kilkenny hand passed points they're out of the running <laughs> uh, which I couldn't believe Conor Callaghan best <laughs> goal scorer in the game lads give me a break uh, David uh, Brian Fenton straight through and goals hand pass over the bar my god Mm, I don't know David Hubbardy anyways he didn't hand pass any points and he's the top scorer across <laughs> all divisions and he's not an impact sub yet <laughs> so congratulations to him that's all we've time for we'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview the weekend's uh, league semi-finals we'll talk to you all then good luck but this little dink ball the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest why do you not do many interviews oh really and yeah, what have you asked to do a whole Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuff you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.